this week we are talking again about a haunting and we watched episode three and episode four of season one one. Mm -hmm. and uh so let's start with episode three okay um (laughs) let's just let's just get right into it very professional as always did did all our cat talk off off (laughs) mic Um, so this one is called Echoes from the Grove, and the, um, players, I guess, are Ron and Nancy, a married couple that buy a home in the late 60s and, uh, start experiencing, uh, various types of, uh, haunting in the house. Um, their son Alan, he's also interviewed in the reenact. Um, he's also interviewed in part of the reenactment, and he uh, also has experiences in the house. So some of the things that they experience, um, just like your normal, like hearing people walking around, suddenly feeling dread. Um, Nancy's brother comes over. He's a lawyer, which they say several times, I guess, to say that he's not, like, uh, crazy. But I don't think those things are mutually exclusive. So They're just showing uh, off. Yeah. Um, and he also gets scared. Um, and they feel like the ghost is actually following them because Nancy goes to the hospital to have a kid at one point, And she has a supernatural experience at the hospital. Um they get so desperate that they involve a reporter, hoping that the reporter will draw attention to their case anonymously and help them, like, connect them with help. Um, but he he doesn't keep their names out of it, and it makes it, like, impossible for them to sell their house. Um, and also their neighbors start, like, getting, being really mean to them. Uh, and their house just has, like, also a ton of problems um, aside from the haunting like uh gas leaks that they blame on the haunting um so they finally get a team in there uh i think they solve it i don't know (laughs) (laughs) what happens um oh wait yeah uh um oh they they sell the house to people that are like super pumped that it's haunted (laughs) yeah Sorry, these ones are kind of long, so it's like in the be- beginning I'm paying attention, and then towards the end I'm like, wait, what happened? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it trails off a little bit. So much stuff happens. It's like thing after thing. Yeah, oh, especially in the second one. Um, this one I kind of have a more solid picture of what happens, but the second one, oh my gosh, I don't even know. The second one spans uh, like 30 years or something. Yeah. Um... So this one, let's kind of rewind and we'll kind of get into some of the specifics. Uh, yeah. So it kind of starts with Nancy talking about how um, her and her husband were about to get married or like recently married. They kind of jump back and forth. It's it's a little strange. Um, but they are looking for a house. But as they're looking for the house, um, she starts having these nightmares, um, which involve like silly jump cuts of a lady with an axe. Um, so they start looking for a house for them and their six children, um, cause they, they both had three children before they got married. Yeah. Um, so they need a big house and they find 
this bargain house that's like well within their price range it's big it's gorgeous and it's quote nothing like the house in her nightmare (laughs) i did i wrote that down too um those are uh music to a broker's ears (laughs) this is nothing like the house in my nightmares i'll take it (laughs) um which is basically what happens in the reenactment. They're just like, well, it was nothing like her nightmare. So they say, so they bought the house and they just show her sh- like them shaking hands with this dude. Like, that's how you buy a house. You're just like, <laughs> okay, shake hands. Like, it's not like several weeks of like being an escrow and inspections and all this shit. It's just like, <laughs> like, that's how you did it in the 60s, folks. You just shook hands. Like, it was just like, okay, I promise to buy the house. Okay. <laughs> um. So after they shake hands, which is apparently a binding contract in the 60s, um, the guy leans in. They're like getting in their um, really cool VW uh, van. Um, it is, like yeah. One of those old school 60s vans in uh, like bright green. It's really cool. Um, and he leans in the window and he goes, I hope you're good fighters. And... And that's it. That's it. You just they lose. don't they don't ask him to elaborate. <laughs> <laughs> the um the husband goes. I don't know what he like. I just assumed he meant like the it was, there was like it was a bad neighborhood. Like the neighbors were bad or something. Like, <laughs> yeah, um, I I don't know if I would know how to react in that situation either. <laughs> You're like, wait, are you gonna fight me? What's happening right now? This entire house purchasing experience sounds like like a fucking nightmare. Back in the sixties, used to just fight the current owner of the house, and then if you won, you shook hands, and that's how you obtained the house. It's a better time, golden age. Um, also, they showed like they have a lot of cuts from the ghost's perspective that are in like a uh, sepia tone so they show the ghosts like checking them out from the window like like you're in the ghost's eyes and you're like looking at them through the window so they establish that the go- there's a ghost there that sees in sepia tone cuz they're old um, and back then they didn't have colors yeah so they move in and um the first uh, bunch of stuff that they describe are all like kind of hilarious and really explainable. So the first thing is the basement was creepy. Newsflash. <laughs> Newsflash, flash, the basement in your new uh, 1920s built house is going to be fucking creepy and probably filled with asbestos. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe gas. Yeah. I feel like um, this show is becoming a weekly reminder. Uh, basements are creepy, and children just make shit up. Oh, and uh, get a carbon monoxide detector, and if you smell gas, call the gas company. Yes, that too. It's a little safety tip. <laughs> um, the next thing she noticed is that all of the windows were nailed shut, which I wrote, this could also be evidence of them having, like, bad neighbors like because uh, they mentioned the thing about the the fighting and then i was like oh maybe like they didn't want to pay to put bars on the window so they just did this very fire hazardy thing yeah <laughs> i mean all the window shut that was the first thought that i had was just like they, they didn't want anybody to burglarize the house while they were selling it that makes perfect sense to me yeah um and then the next thing that she says is that faucets would turn on and off 
Uh, which again, I don't think that's really strange. It's an older house, like maybe you know, like you could think you turned the faucet off, and you know, not really. Like you can kind of, in my house, like we had an older house. It's like you could kind of turn the faucet off, but then turn it past off, and then it would turn back on. Like it was kind of like you had to get it right in like the magic zone for it to actually turn off. So I don't really think that that's evidence. Um, and then Alan, who's the son, um, he's like a little kid in the reen actment but he's also interviewed as an adult in the you know when they're interviewing the actual people um and he says that he was hearing heavy boots that was definitely not one of his parents and i've just wrote down but it definitely couldn't be one of the eight fucking people living in this house it's a small army living in this one house yeah um also they invite their friend over or not their friend um her brother over nancy's brother who's a lawyer, they say this multiple times, and um, he asks to see the upstairs, he gets halfway up the stairs, and he just like, is like, actually, I, I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta get to court, and he just runs out. <laughs> I forgot the, the case. <laughs> <laughs> and later, he says he was um, overcome by a feeling of sudden dread, and I wrote, maybe he realized that he became a lawyer, <laughs> and just has to read boring contracts all day, and just was having a midlife crisis at that exact moment. <laughs> I like the idea that he just forgot about a trial. <laughs> He's like, oh shit, oh, what time is it? <laughs> My client is going to fucking jail, man. <laughs> that kid is toast. Um, so they call in a priest, uh, and the priest bless the, blesses the house, and they're like, oh, it finally feels peaceful. And then they hear a bunch of shit on the porch and they look out and um, all the toys and stuff that are on the porch are like moving around. And I just wrote, oh, it's like a hurricane, right? Yeah. Um, and then they say, they realize the priest didn't bless the porch. <laughs> it kicked all the ghosts out to the porch. They're all pissed yeah. off they can't get back in. So uh, Ron runs out and nails a crucifix to the front of the house, and that fixes it. You missed uh, an important part about the priest. Oh, please. When he asks him to do to bless the house, the priest is like, nah, I could do it in like two weeks. And he's like, no, that's, that's not going to work. I need it done sooner than that. He's like, all right, fine, I'll, I'll come over lunch. <laughs> <laughs> this priest is like... This priest has a more organized schedule than the fucking lawyer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, let me check my, my agenda. Ugh. I set aside some time for lunch, but I suppose I can come then. He's got to answer to God. Yeah. Lawyer's just a judge. He's got an um, angel secretary. Uh, I, I, I missed that part of my notes. Um, so anyway, they decide... Uh, we, they should probably have another kid. So Nancy uh, goes to the hospital. To, she gets pregnant, goes to the hospital to have her baby. Um, and while she's in the hospital, uh, she like sees the ghost there. Um, and she's like wandering around. And a nurse comes in and is like, what the hell are you doing walking around? Like, you just had a baby. And she's like, uh, I'm co- cold. <laughs> um, it's my so fourth real- kid, lady. Come on. I can walk around wherever I want. She realizes that it can follow her, basically. So then, um, you know, it cuts to, like, her coming back to the house with the new baby. And they are playing the, the, 
voiceover of the actual Nancy talking. And Nancy is saying, I felt like at any minute something horrible would happen. And then in the reenactment, it shows all of her kids running out to greet her. <laughs> and I was like, oh, was the horrible thing that she realized that she just has too many kids now. She's got a gaggle of children. She's like, what did I do? I could have been a contender. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, and then um, Alan gets pushed down the stairs uh, by the ghost. Uh, and they show, again, they go into the sepia tone, and they show the perspective of the ghost, like, sneaking up on him and be like, ha-ha, and pushing <laughs> him down the stairs. It's a reoccurring theme with a lot of these episodes. A lot yeah. of people just oh, yeah, get pushed gonna... down the stairs talk about that in the next one but yes um every time a kid falls down the stairs it's a ghost ghosts did it they're never just like not paying attention or slip i fell up the stairs one time when i was a kid i didn't blame it on ghosts yeah that really that's it you guys had so many stairs in your house i would assume somebody like broke a tooth at some point or another oh i I drove my my teeth straight through my lip i had to get a bunch of stitches Oh, gross. So anyway, I guess Alan getting hurt is like the last straw. Um, so Ron calls his co-worker to ask for advice, you know, as one does. Mm-hmm. And his co-worker's like, why don't you call like a reporter? Because maybe they can write a story about your situation and that will like attract help. Um, so they call a reporter and they, you know, basically tell the reporter like you could, you know, we'll tell you all the information, but please leave our names and our address out of it so that it's anonymous. Um, and they also decide that they're going to try to sell the house at this, at the same time. Like they, they, they want to sell the house, but they need like a short term solution. That's why they're doing the reporter thing. So the reporter's like, yeah, totally. I want to help you. And then publishes like their names and address. (laughs) Um, so it makes it impossible for them to sell the house. And also all the neighbors get super pissed off because they're afraid it's going to affect their property, um, values. (laughs) Um, weird take. I, I don't. Maybe it was a different time, but I wouldn't expect that to affect my property value at all. My house isn't haunted. I don't know. I mean, maybe people were, like, coming by or something, and it was, like, causing a ruckus in the neighborhood. Oh, that could be true. Then uh, the na- na- Nancy starts having nightmares about the house being on fire, and also the axe ghost from before is, like, laughing in the flames. Um, and the next day she realizes that she's smelling gas and Ron is just like Meh, it's fine and she's like you know I, I'm gonna call somebody and it turns out that the she calls like the gas company and they come and they say the gas leak was so bad that the house had basically become a bomb uh and at that for her was the last straw because for some reason that is like she relates that to the ghost not just the fact that they bought this quote-unquote bargain house yeah from- a guy that didn't seem all there. Um, and so the next thing that happens is she goes, I was no longer willing to be a victim. So she sends a letter to a ghost expert from Austria named Hans. I'm just thinking back now. Maybe the the guy who sold her the house uh, was saying, I hope you're good firefighters. Maybe he was saying, I hope you don't have a lighter. Oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Don't smoke in there. <laughs> Don't cook um, anything. <laughs> well, yeah, and like also like 
I mean, I don't know that much about a gas leak. I know it's pretty dangerous, but that could explain a lot of just, like, her not feeling great and, like, having bad dreams and stuff, you know? It might explain why a kid thinks he got pushed off of the stairs when he actually just got lightheaded and fell down. There's a gas leak in the house. Uh, So Hans actually shows up from Austria. He's, like, so pumped. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, um... Uh, the the medium says that there's a civil war ghost and an angry lady ghost and she's angry because she thinks that the people living in the house are her insolent servants um and they also find out that their house was built in the 1920s but the property you know had actually been there obviously for a long time and there had been a previous house there in 1770s um, and that previous house, it's implied, was the one that was in Nancy's dream. So it was actually the house from her nightmare. Oh, what, how unlucky can you get? And then uh, the lawyer is, like, getting super involved. <laughs> um, and he does all this research and he, quote, discovers a shocking revelation that even the medium failed to detect. Um, and he brings them, like, a file that proves that every previous owner had someone die in the house. And I was like, well, that's well, that's pretty reasonable. I mean, the house was built in the 1920s, and the previous houses were, you know, it dates back to the Civil War. Like, you know, modern medicine, like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, people used to die younger. Like, it's not, that's not weird, in my opinion. Like, a big house like that they probably had a big families they probably had staff like that seemed totally normal to me that somebody would have died in the house yeah there were like six pandemics during that period of time yeah and my notes i just had like if i heard a prophecy like that i would be very glad that i had so many children <laughs> just weighing just... all the odds in my favor oh yeah, do you think Nancy was thinking, oh, I hope it's one of Ron's? Yeah. <laughs> That's so <laughs> mean. Evil stepmom. I, was like, oh. I could give up one. How long do you think it would take her to notice? Mm. Oh, man. With all those children? Probably a while. Um... So basically, they finally find some buyers that are, like, super pumped to to buy this haunted house and that's um kind of like the end of their their saga and i wrote down wouldn't it be funny if at this point they leaned into the new buyers and said hope you're a fighter (laughs) that would have been so good (laughs) um and then they do this last scene um so they're in the car they're all in their volkswagen and nancy's just holding her newborn baby like no car seat she's holding it in her arms and uh she gets out of the car because she has to go back in to get something um and she hands the newborn baby to ron and she goes upstairs to get the file folder that says all the people that died that the lawyer gave her like that's what she had to grab for some reason and then as she's, like, leaving, the house is, like, you know, doing all kinds of spooky shit. And she's, like, running out. It's, like, doors are slamming and windows are locking and all this stuff. And she runs out. And Ron just gets out of the car and is, like, kind of going to, like, get her. 
but he doesn't have the baby. <laughs> so I'm guessing he just laid the baby down on the seat of his van and just like went to go get Nancy. Um, yeah, so they finally, she, she comes out, she's fine. They all get in the van. She puts the baby in her arms um, and drives off. And yeah, I guess in the 1960s, you just like held your newborn baby in one arm and drove with the other while a cigarette was hanging out of your mouth. It's a better time. <laughs> Born in the wrong decade. Yeah, it's just kind of like if you survived, you, you know, like that, like just being alive is like an accomplishment because you had to sur- survive the lack of safety precautions for children. You could be sure that every person you met over the age of like 30 was a pretty hardy, uh, self-sufficient person. Because they had to be or they would die. (laughs) Or like highly traumatized. Right. (laughs) Um, (laughs) All right. So this next one, episode four, Cursed, is quite a doozy. Um, Do you want to attempt to do an an overview? This one has a lot of things that happen i think i can overview this um this is i finally remembered to write the names down uh and i still don't know if i'm gonna get it right romy olgeen and fernando her husband uh featuring children Uh, they only say one of their names they have four kids yeah um so they are currently living in Romy's mom's house, and they're looking to buy a house of their own for their many children. And uh, they are driving around neighborhoods just looking at um, houses, and Romy sees a kind of disheveled, abandoned house, and she decides that that has to be the one. And then she goes through all this trouble to buy the house. And then they go in, and they start renovating it, and... Uh, just kind of periodically throughout their time living there. Romy is haunted during the nighttime. Um, She sees apparitions and such. Uh, But then it seems to die down for a little while. And then when uh, her oldest child, I think, has a son, she's watching the grandson, and then the ghosts start to come back. And then they have an extensive scientific research team uh, investigate the issue and try to help her out. And that's about it. That was actually a really good summary. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of specifics to go into. Because, uh, yeah. as we said, this is this spans uh, like two or three decades. Yeah. So let's rewind. Um, so... I don't know if we've really talked about this, but obviously the show is like a really cheesy intro and they do these little like teaser lines and everything before they jump into the story. Um, and the, one of the teaser lines for this one is that uh, Romy had a gateway inside her house and another one inside her mind. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was funny. Um, but we find out just how funny it truly is later. Um, the other thing I wanted to bring up is that she they describe her like being drawn to this abandoned house in a very like obsessive way like that her husband didn't want it and he just went along with it because she wanted it and she was just really obsessed with it and like oh the potential the potential and this is very similar to the Summerfield episode like the last episode where it's like 
The wife is like obsessed with this freaking house. The husband's like, I don't know. And she makes them buy it and then just like everything is terrible. Yeah, I have one of my notes is that they say that Fernando tries to be supportive. Um, but I put it's very hard because of how right he was about how they shouldn't buy this house. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she also did the classic, like, doesn't know anything about buying houses thing where she was just like, my brother's a carpenter. It'll be fine. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, no, no, it won't. <laughs> it, it turns out fine. I mean, the house appears to be in great condition. From, yeah, they somehow actually do, like, fix it up. It's all reenactment, so we, we have no idea how the house looks. But um, So she also... Similarly to Nancy, um, Romy has a reoccurring nightmares. Um, and, <laughs> and the reoccurring nightmare that she's been having since childhood. <laughs> okay. Now, can before I, I describe I, this, I, I just want to say that Romy does not say that the, does not say this, the real Romy. This is what the reenactment shows. Can, can I say it? <laughs> yes, you can say it. Uh, she keeps having these visions of an incredibly thirsty skeleton. <laughs> it's a skeleton, like, from, looks like from, you know, a Halloween store, um, that's laying on, like, a dirt floor, and a green garden hose is just spraying water <laughs> into its mouth. Point blank, just shotgunning <laughs> water forever into its mouth what and i don't know if we'll we'll get to say this later on in the episode does not correlate to any of the haunting at all no no i'm so confused and this they show this multiple times all the time and it's funny every time (laughs) and i'm so confused if romy Describe this in some way and this was their interpretation of it if they just completely made this up if this is supposed if i had this dream i would not be scared it's not <laughs> scary it's like oh, damn what did i eat before bed like, no more sriracha before bed <laughs> it's one parched skeleton um so Romy is, you know, she's experiencing some supernatural stuff in the house and she starts to doubt her sanity and she just assumes that the ghosts are all in her mind, which uh, seems reasonable, right? It's Mm kind of like, it's like, okay, like she's having these nightmares. She's assuming that she's kind of just like projecting, right? Um, So she goes to this like elderly man's house. I think they're doing like a Meals on Wheels thing. And Romy says that the man uh, kind of grabs him, her and says that there's a spirit in her house. So this guy, he says that he's a medium, um, this old man, and he suggests that she tries following the ghost. And then also says that there's a gateway in her house that all the bad spirits can come through, so she should be careful. I also just want to note that the way the actor delivers these lines is, like, super strange. Like, I I don't know. It's not, like, it's very, like, forced in a creepy way, but not in, like, oh, like, 
it's an old man giving a prophecy so it's kind of spooky kind of way just like a yeah he's acting erratic and like i would want to get out of there too kind of way yeah i i put in my notes he probably says that to everybody who comes to his house yeah um, um the candor that he says it is like we it, he has it's just kind of a weird tone that he's got yeah it's just like bad acting yeah <laughs> exactly like bad acting yeah <laughs> um so she's like i'm just gonna ignore this and then she wakes up with teeth marks on her um and when they show in the reenactment so she says i had teeth marks on me but when they show it in the reenactment it looks like a weed whacker got her like <laughs> yeah it's not teeth marks at all it's just like cuts all over her arm with tons of bruising like a foot wide yeah um and she like shows it to her coworker because she just wants to make sure that she's not like making it up and her coworker's like yo yeah that's there like i totally believe you and then um oh she talks to a neighbor and a neighbor tells her that a 15 year old uh shot himself in her house and that when the parent found him um he killed he hung himself i mean he was uh, very thirsty when he did it he hung himself with a garden hose. <laughs> oh, well, spraying maybe. into his mouth. There you go. Um, okay, so I, I guess she gets this information and then like we like fast forward a bunch of years. Her oldest daughter has a son and she's babysitting her grandson. Is that correct? Because I think I like went to get food at this point. <laughs> I might have missed a little bit. Yes. Uh, they, I don't think they... I said before that it was her, their oldest child, but I don't know for sure. It's one of their children has a kid, and that's that's their grandson. Um, so Alec, the grandson, he starts seeing stuff. He says that he sees a man in the closet, um, and then he is pushed down the stairs by a ghost. Didn't fall. Definitely was completely pushed. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is now clear to Romy that the spirits are back. So she calls Amy Allen paranormal investigator to help out and i just want to note that they never call her amy in this whole episode everyone else is called by just their first name but she is always amy allen it's one of those names it's more fun to say altogether. they also show in the reenactment when the child falls down the stairs uh they all walk over and just start swinging his limbs around <laughs> don't do that <laughs> if ever your child falls down the stairs don't don't do that don't don't swing his limbs all around. Why not? That because you. Just, what if they're broken? <laughs> I don't know. I do everything that I see in ghost shows. You just pick him up and ragdoll him around. <laughs> Make sure everything's still attached. <sighs> all right, Amy Allen, man, this is this is where it really starts to go off the rails. Um. So, Amy, first thing she says is that there's a ton of radio towers around. And that radio towers um, create electromagnetic energy and that this can, um, that this is like, can be correlated to hallucinations. Um, I don't know about the hallucination thing, but the thing about electromagnetic energy and radio towers is is true as far as I know. Because remember, we talked about that before with like paranormal state. Like that is a real thing. They give Um, you uh, coronavirus too. I've been watching a lot of uh, YouTube lately, so I, I know that. Yeah, also 5G <laughs> or something, right? Yeah. 
Um, okay, so the so Amy brings in what she calls paranormal sensitives, which are people that feel ghosts. Mm-hmm. Now you will find out later why this designation is important. <laughs> Um, she also says that they are very scientific. Uh, that's I, I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I want to bring that up a lot during this conversation. Um, all right. Well, the next thing that I have is about like the next medium, the, the, sec- the second medium brand. So if you have anything like <laughs> between the, the feeling sensitive and the, uh, the, uh, the, the knower... Yeah, there's Jump nothing. Th- there's nothing to say about the feelings, like because she doesn't say anything. She walks into the bedroom and says she feels something, and then she leaves and charges them probably a fortune. So then Amy brings in what she. These are her words: a different type of extrasensory detector medium, who is known as a knower, and she sees movies in her mind. Uh, so so far we have the. Paranormal sensitive that feels ghosts. Now we have the knower that can see movies in her mind. Very scientific. I've definitely heard of both of these before. Mm -hmm. Spoiler, no. I'm pretty sure that this (laughs) is completely made up by Amy Allen. Um, And so the knower uh, says that the house is absorbing... So because of the like electromagnetic energy... The house is absorbing energy, and it's actually absorbing the Romy's energy and the energy of the people living in the house and just, like, playing it back on repeat. So they say that Romy is basically haunting herself. And they theor- and Amy theorizes, based on this information, that Romy herself is, a sensitive, is sensitive to the spirit world um, and that there are two portals in the house to the other side and that... Uh, basically when people are, this is, uh, I'm like, you know, summarizing what Amy says here is that ghosts are attracted to people that are sensitive to the paranormal and it creates a quote, vortex for the dead. Very scientific. Yeah. So they teach her how to, um, burn sage and sprinkle holy water in great detail. Like they show them teaching her how to, like, it doesn't seem like something you need to like learn in detail. Just like burn this. Wave it (laughs) around. Seems pretty self-explanatory, but... um, There's one good scene right before this where they're explaining all of the the ghost evidence that they have and the two-portal theory. Mm -hmm. Um, All of the psychics have a bowl and there's a box of cereal as if they were all offered cereal and accepted it. (laughs) Which is just a really weird thing to do. Oh my god, I didn't notice that. I just noticed it like right at the end of the scene. I'm like, what are they? Are they all eating cereal? <laughs> like they came over in the morning and she was like, "You guys want some breakfast?" And they're like, "Sure." And then she just gave them fruity loops. Yeah, it's like a kid cereal. <laughs> oh man. Um. Uh. So Amy's like doing some more research into all of this. I guess like they aren't just leaving it at the burning sage stuff. Um, and then Amy decides she's going to go back to the house to like investigate a little further. And then she whips out that she is actually a physical medium, mm-hmm. which means that she makes contact in a physical sense. Does not explain that any further. She doesn't need to. It's self-explanatory. So we've had a feeling medium, a seeing medium, and now we have a physical medium. Um, and then she gets on the bed 
sitting cross-legged. And I wrote here that she, I don't know why this just bothered me, but she got on the bed with her shoes. And I was like, <laughs> you don't get on someone else's bed with your shoes on. Like, Amy, what the fuck? Yeah, I noticed that too. And then also when she's like sensing the ghost, it looks like she's smelling the ghost. Like the look, like the actress's <laughs> face is just like she's sniffing the air. Just swinging her head all around. Um. Yeah. But like her nose is like tilted up like. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, so then Amy goes home. I, I think she, I forget. I didn't write it down, but I think she like senses a dark energy or whatever. And then she goes home and the dark energy is like in her apartment. And she's like looking right at it and it's looking right at her. Um, like she kind of turns around. It's like in the corner of her room. Uh, but this was before that they had, um, you know, like a lot of touching up. You know, this is like an older TV show. And also like this is a lower budget show. It's like a, you know, made for TV situation. Um, so I don't think that they had like makeup artists. So I just wrote the dark energy looks right at the pimple directly on the tip of Amy's nose. <laughs> Looks right at her disgusting fucking keyboard. <laughs> um, so Romy is like having a supernatural experience simultaneously and calls Amy. And she's like, Amy, you need to come here. Like something's going on. And Romy's like, and she's like, no, Romy. Actually, you sent it to me. And Romy's like, what? And then Amy comes over and says that the dark entity is actually a poltergeist that Romy has manifested herself. And she speculates that Romy has psychokinetic abilities and has made and has actually projected her own anxiety, depression and remorse into a poltergeist that is haunting her and her children. So just if I can recap really quick, we went from thirsty skeleton uh, to ghost. Uh, I'm just looking through my notes again. Of a 15 year old and father. Right. Um, and then we went to uh, portals, um, and then we went to poltergeist. So we're at poltergeist now. We forgot about you. Forgot about the electromagnetic energy. Oh uh, yeah, there was that too. Yeah, um, yeah. So now they kind of end it basically like, okay, it's like Romy's fault. Like Romy's making all this happen, like psychokinetically. And they cut to the real Romy and she's crying and she's like, I was tormenting my own children and I wish that I could, uh, you know, control this, but I can. And like I, I call that's why I call it my curse. And just to recap, basically what this means is that she pushed her own grandson down the stairs with ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> That's what Amy has made Romy believe about herself. It's been a while since we had one of these. And then Amy, they cut to Amy. This is how they end the episode. Amy says that most of the time when this is happening, the person needs therapy um, in these PK, paranormal or psychokinetic energy uh, situations. So she does recommend therapy, which I would say is the only legitimate thing that Amy does during this whole episode. I'm sure Amy recommended some very expensive counseling that she herself offers. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Like, I just kind of... Stuff like this sort of frustrates me. Because first off, like, Amy is so full of fucking shit. Like, not only does she say, oh, it's scientific, this and that, but she's, like, making up all these different kinds of mediums, which I'm sure she's charging this family for. And then at the end, she blames Romy 
for it. Um, and, you know, we, we saw this happen a lot in Paranormal State where the parents are, like, upset, but there's kind of, like, a resolution where the parents, like, feel better. But in this, like, it's clear that Romy is, like, really upset and like crying and has been like tormented by this like since all this happened and that she truly believes that she is responsible for the torment of her family uh, of her children of her grandchild like that she's causing all this harm that Amy has made her believe that and that she can't control it and I just think that's kind of fucked up like yeah Romy probably needs therapy I think that if you you know like are in this much distress, you should go to therapy. But probably some of why she needs therapy is because Amy made her believe this. <laughs> yeah. Amy seems uh, like a, kind of a world-class huckster. Yeah, fuck Amy. Amy's like almost up there with Ryan in my book. Like, I'm happy she's not a reoccurring character. Jesus. Yeah, they never... I'll put her above Ryan because they never do specify that she charged them, but I'm. it really sounds like she did. Well, it's like they make it seem like she's like a businesswoman, right? Like she goes home to her business office to do business things. Yeah. I don't know. It's just fucking bullshit. Like, fuck you, Amy. Don't make Romy cry. Nice lady. Just trying to raise her family. <sighs> well, any other thoughts on these? Um, no. Uh, I'm going to demand that we we name this episode The Very Thirsty Skeleton. I agree. 